This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Well, we have a good news, bad news situation for you this hour. The bad news is I am still, as you can hear, battling this cold. So I I probably sound a little bit more nasal than you would prefer, certainly more nasal than I would prefer. The good news, though, for you is I have recruited two of the most interesting people in the world to join me for the hour to chew the fat on some of the news of the day and some of the some of life's mysteries uh, very very pleased uh, to welcome first uh, somebody that is uh, no stranger to this audience a personal trainer somebody who is a, a longtime student of the world of astrology also a podcaster and he happens to be my brother-in-law, Josh O'Brien. Hello there, Josh. Hello, Frank. It is good to see you. And making his debut on the other side of midnight is a friend of mine for over 21 years, the host of the TV talk show, which also airs around the country, Up Late with Johnny Potenza, the appropriately named Johnny Potenza. Hello there, Johnny. What's up, Frank? How you doing? You're, make, you're making me laugh. You're great. Good, 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 good. Well, that's the idea. Better to make you laugh than cry. Right? I love seeing you here. It's great to see you. I know it's uh, I know it's a late hour, so I appreciate you coming in. No, it's late night. It's always up late. You know now, now, exactly. Now you're later than me, so you got me beat. Exactly. Uh, now, Johnny. So people that don't know your background, and uh, we'll get into some of the things that you're doing now, and some of the things that people can look forward to. Both of you. But so you host this uh, this talk show. Up late with uh, with Johnny Potenza. It airs on public access, but it airs yes. in different markets all over the country, right? Yeah, well, it's on all the public access stations in all the five boroughs and and in California. Technically, we used to send it out more, but now that we it streams, we, it just streams. Right. So, I mean, technically, I'm not a worldwide name, so it's like uh, it'll you know someone could watch it in Hong Kong, but they don't know who I am unless you know someone in Hong Kong, and, and you say, yeah, my friend Johnny Potenza's on. And then they could watch it. You know, I'm so I'm so critical of the Chinese government. They probably have a censored in Hong Kong like crazy. Uh, by the way, if people want to check out Johnny's website. The website is uh, johnnyptv.com. Johnnyptv.com. But you 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 you're kind of modest, Jack. Like, oh, maybe people don't know me in Hong Kong or wherever else. You actually did make worldwide headlines uh, recently because someone, one of the biggest stars in the world right now, somebody that's famous not only for his tenure on Saturday Night Live, uh, somebody that uh, is famous for uh, his dating of Kim Kardashian, somebody that's famous for the uh, the movie The King of Staten Island, yep. uh, Pete Davidson, he actually did his first interview with you. Now, yeah. how long ago was that? That was actually February 25th, 2010. Oh, 2010. So yeah. the, we're talking about 12 years ago. Yeah. So he's a young guy now. How how young was he back then? He was uh, 16 years old. 16 years old. Yeah. And he, he was doing interviews with you. And he was a great kid. I love I loved him. Let's go back in time, actually, and listen to a little bit of uh, your interview with Pete Davidson. All right. Now listen, who who uh, influenced you in stand up? What got you going? Uh, my favorite comedian would probably be Bill Barr. I like I like to. Uh, him and Dane Cook, I used to watch all their videos. Like I look at them as like you know how how the stand up have albums. Mm-hmm. I listen to them. I, I like I memorized every single one. Like I look at it as it as if it's a song. So like that's pretty cool. Now it's interesting. One, it's funny to hear yeah. him. You know, uh, the, uh, sounding that young. 
But it's interesting. He actually put Bill Burr in his movie, uh-huh. The King of Staten Island, right? It's funny yeah. that he's talking to you about a comedian he looks up to and admires, and then he got to work with him. And Dane Cook. Uh, that, yeah, Dane Cook. Dane Cook wound up being a good friend. And when, once Dane Cook saw that post, Dane Cook actually inboxed me and started talking to me about this interview, saying how it was great and keep doing public access, that he started out with it. But, like, it, it goes back, like, because once Pete made it big, I don't know what the reason is, and I still have his number. And once, right before he got on Saturday Night Live, he said he was going to come on the show. And then once he got on Saturday Night Live, he kind of, like, forgot about every person that he knew on Staten Island. And I'm not even bad-mouthing him because he's a great kid. I mean, Hollywood works in, in mysterious ways. Sometimes they, they just put you in a different circle. But I know a lot of people. You know a lot of people. Like, And it just goes to show you what our good friend Joe Franklin used to say. Mm, I was just going to mention Joe because he always said exactly what I think you're going to say. Joe said, he goes, you know, there's going to be people that are always going to remember you and there's going to be people that forget you. And there's going to be people that make it big and they're going to see you across the street and they're going to walk the other way. You know, Joe, that was a big issue with him. He would always talk about, and I remember he would mention Barbara Streisand, mm-hmm. but he would mention uh, Julia Roberts. He would mention others who he had them on his show when they were nobody. Nobody yes. had heard of them. And then um, when they became some of the biggest stars in the world, they didn't want to know him. Yeah. Uh, and Joe said that because it was because that he reminded them of a time in their lives when they were struggling and when they were nobody, and they didn't want to be reminded of those guys. And, to, and Joe always said, to his credit, the handful of people that would come back included people like Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby always came back no matter what a big star he was. Bing Cosby. Right, Bing Frank Crosby. Frank Sinatra. Yeah, no, You're that's talking absolutely about, like, right. big names. Hey, uh, speaking of uh, m- musical folks, um, there uh, a colleague of mine who people can hear on the weekend – a guy that uh, we affectionately call around here uh, Cousin Vinny. Vinny Madunio, who yes. does a great job with a music program on the weekend, he actually does the intro for your show. Up Late with Johnny Potenza is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Coming to you live from the city that never sleeps, New York City, it's Up Late with Johnny Potenza. Uh, it's pretty neat. You know Vinny Madunio a long time. Yes, Vinny's a good kid, and I come up with some pretty good ideas, don't you think? <laughs> exactly. You're I a tr- trendsetter. I try to cash in on all my friends, but no, Vinny is a sweetheart. Uh, me and Vinny hooked up years ago, and I actually met him at my brother's 35th birthday party, and he was DJing, and he knew who I was because I was in the music business at the time with a band called NYB, and it stood for none of your business, but... And then he goes, I know who you are, blah, blah, blah. And then we just became friends. As years went on, I invited him on the show. And he co-hosted some shows with me, and he brought some talent on the shows. And we just became friends. And then he's just a sincere, nice guy. He's one of the nice guys. A great guy. Great guy. Absolutely. And uh, a real talent. Not only a great DJ but uh, and a great radio personality, but a great singer. We had him singing at the 100th anniversary gala recently. He was terrific. Oh, he was there? Yeah. No, he sang. And he he's Italian. Exactly. You, that's uh, with that. That's no. We're not going to hold that against him either, right? Uh, well, we're also not going to hold the fact that uh, Josh O'Brien is not Italian against him. Um, speaking of music, I want to get both of you to weigh in on something. Put your musical critics hat on now. Uh, a lot was made when uh, President Trump formed the Space Force to be the new branch of the armed service, the the sixth branch of the armed service. And some people mocked it. They said, oh, OK, what are they going to do, fight aliens? What are they going to do? Well, now, uh, the, this is not shtick. This is not a joke. The Space Force has revealed their official song. It's called Semper Supra. 
And I'm going to play it for you. This is the first time it's been played on these radio stations. And I'm going to ask each of you to put on your musical critic's cap and weigh in on this uh, on this song. Because every branch of the armed forces has an official song. The Army, ha- the Army goes rolling along, the Marine hymn, and each song, you know, is kind of identified with that branch of the military. Semper Supra was named the... U.S. Space Force motto, which is Latin for always above, and it was created, they say, to capture the aspire decor of both current and future guardians and intends to bring together service members by giving them a sense of pride. Let's let people listen. So that's Semper Supra. That is the new song of the Space Force. Josh, what do we think? I think I'm really excited. I mean, that is one really moving little piece of music there. Well, Johnny, <laughs> you, uh, with your musical background, what do you think? It's a real American song with a little twist of the Wizard of Oz in the back. <laughs> you know, it does have a little Wizard of Oz ish. But uh, I like it. I like it. I feel like they wrote that. In like 10 minutes. You, you know, I, I was going to say, I feel, I like it. I like it too. I think it's good. I think it sounds patriotic. I think it sounds kind of military-ish. You know, it's that's old good. Old school, I think, too. But I, it does sound old school. I think with the Space Force, right, a brand new branch of the military that's focused in space, I would have liked to hear something a little more galactic, Maybe right? something after 1920? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, something that has kind of a space theme to it. I'm not knocking it. It sounds, you know, it sounds great, but I mean, it would sound just as good if it was the theme song to the Marines or the Air Force or whatever. I, I would like something, I don't know, a little more Star Trek. Am I gonna, alone yeah, in I was going to say that Star Warish, you know? Yeah, I mean, what do you guys think? Definitely, 100%. I think maybe like some modern instruments. Get some techno in there, some like space. Woo, right, that would have been some something. Of that that need, would have been something. Yeah, you need something no, modern day. But you know what? Listen. Sometimes old school works. Uh, no. Exactly. It does. It does. If, if you want to weigh in, that is the Space Force theme song. Let me know what you think. 800-848-9222. Johnny Potenza is here. Josh O'Brien is here. Josh, uh, if people haven't heard our previous conversations, you are involved in kind of two worlds that people might think are conflicting. One is the world of science. You have a, a master's degree. What is it, exercise science? The exercise physiology. Exercise yes, physiology. Um, and uh, obviously you're, you're in great shape. You spend a lot of time training people. But then you also spend a lot of your leisure time looking into the world of, uh, of astrology. Some people might think those two areas are somewhat contradictory. Explain to people, especially those that might be skeptics about the world of astrology, why that's not contradictory. Well, the reason uh, for me it's not contradictory is because they're both things I study uh, that are empirical. Right? Empirical means that we can observe them. There is uh, some obvious qualities to them and obvious values in uh, studying, implementing, and then reaping the benefits thereof. So with uh, what we call science, you can study in, in most universities, uh, we have uh, sort of a body of knowledge that we learn we sort of memorize, we figure out how to implement these things, and then we go out and we make changes in the world, be it with our bodies or with buildings or with our environment, what have you. Uh, with uh, astrology, it's not really recognized as one of those sciences in our modern Western world. If you go in, in another hemisphere, they're probably going to recognize it as a science. If you go in our history of the West, they recognized it 
as a science. However, currently it's not uh, honored as such. However, uh, I sort of stumbled upon the empiricism of it, the truth of it one day, and being the scientist that I am, I followed up and, and tested it. I put it to the test. Does this work if applied? Yes, it does. Johnny, where do you come down on astrology? Well, you know what? Uh, you, you guys put me to shame when it comes to book smart. <laughs> I'm a sweet guy. But, uh, I, you know, what he says, I mean, it's very interesting. Uh, that's all I could chime in with you, you right you now. You know, it's funny. I, I was always uh, – I never really put too much stock into astrology. I mean, I'd read the newspaper, and then I'd look at my horoscope and say, oh, that, okay, that's interesting. That's maybe not so interesting. But one of the things uh, that I found, particularly in the last two years of doing the show, and a week from today will be on the air in this time slot, uh, two years, which is, which is great and feels like we started yesterday. But I always look at whose birthday it is, right? And uh, I'm always really interested – and constantly amazed at how many people that seem to have similar talents are born the same day. Uh, you know, in the world of radio, which is the world I'm most familiar with, you have Rush Limbaugh and Howard Stern, uh, they have the same birthday. And then it just goes to show another day, a bunch of star athletes all have the same birthday. Then another day, a bunch of star musicians all have the same birthday. That's not a coincidence, is it? I don't think it is at all. And if you, and if you want to go down that rabbit hole, and I've jumped head first. You see tons of those, yeah. and not o- not only are do you see clusters of individuals with similar characteristics and traits with the same birthdays or with the, in the same uh, roughly same part of the year, what we call like the zodiac sign for the sun. You also see the the things you would predict to be true as well. So it's not just odd clusters that sort of uh, make you scratch your head when you're thinking about chance, right? what astrologers would predict is actually what you see. So it's not just some aberration of chance or statistics or, you know, one in a million. It's what's predicted, and then you see it happening over and over and over again. Let me ask you both about a trend that's getting a lot of attention. Now, some people say this has always existed. Other people say this is uh, brand new. This is, it's something called uh, quiet quitting, now, uh, quiet quitting, as I understand it, and again, b- up until two weeks ago, I never even heard the term quiet quitting. So, m- you know, maybe I'm not the best authority. But um, quiet quitting is basically instead of working as hard as you can, it's a work philosophy that rebels against this ethos of rise and grind. Basically, it's in being embraced by younger people, 18 to 29 years old. And they say the idea is doing the minimum required work to keep your job. And they're saying this is pretty appealing. 15% of young people between the age of 18 to 29 are already doing this. And according to uh, this poll from um, – this is an Axios poll. They said that um, work – is lower on their list of priorities than family, friends, wellness, hobbies. Now, this desire to work to live instead of living to work is consistent across gender, across race, across political views. Democrats, Republicans, blacks, whites, men, women, as long as they're young, they are embracing this philosophy of quiet quitting. Uh, Josh, what do we think? Is this showing that people uh, are getting their priorities straight for the first time in history, or is this just a generation of slackers? Uh, I think that um, this is a cultural phenomenon, right? And and cultures are in time and place, right? 
So I think that currently we're seeing that a lot of the young people uh, are experiencing an increase in disregard for, we'll call it, work responsibility. And I'm sure that, and like you just said, this is true across all these different spectrums and domains of human division. So I think that this falls along the lines, the incidence falls along the lines of um, the personalities uh, along what's called like the bell curve, right? or distribution throughout the population of people that age. So you're going to have the Frank Morano types that are going to be diving headlong into their work early and often, right? They're going to get work done. They're going to excel at what they do, and they're going to get promoted, and they're going to have opportunities. Then you're going to have the other type, right, the alter ego person, right, who's doing the opposite and who's really screwing around and getting by with as little as possible. That's always been the case. I just think that uh, there's been a shift with our culture right now. I know that the COVID lockdowns contributed a lot. Is this positive or negative, though? I is think this... it's negative. I mm-hmm. think it's negative because it's because it's being done in an irresponsible way. Uh, Johnny, is this uh, – what's your take on this? What, what, what I can say about this is because I'm a blue-collar guy, okay, and, I, and my father was a fireman. Right, you've worked construction and stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, my dream was to be a rock star when I was younger, but my father always had a tool in my hand since I was a kid. You can't get kids today to even take out the garbage. And it's nothing against the young generation because I'm, I'm all for the young generation. I believe with all the technology and, and the computers and the iPhones, it's such a big distraction and it's an addiction just like a drug. And I was one to say years ago I wouldn't be that guy. And I am that guy sometimes with this phone. And, and I say to myself, I got to leave this phone home. And it's like, it's, it's like it controls you. These kids today don't know any better. I mean, and what I notice with all the younger generation, when I go into a store, they don't want to do nothing. If I go into Staples and I need something done that the machine can't do, they make a face. And then I got to get a manager. And the manager <laughs> and this one has to go to this one. And you're in there for like an hour. Uh, and it's just, it's sad. I, I feel bad for the uh, the parents that got to deal with it. Does, let me ask you both, does remote work, play any role in this, right? Over the last two years, we've seen a big movement towards working from home. Now hybrid working is the big thing. Working home two days a week, working in the office three days a week. Do you think that plays a role in this? It plays a little role, but these kids today, unless they're brought up right from young, uh, physically working, doing the garden, cutting the lawn, picking the weeds, stuff like that, normal things like, like our fathers used to make us do. My father used to bribe me at a certain point when I didn't want to do it, but well, I'll give you fifty dollars. You, you know, you mow the lawn. You, you, you know, like the carrot with the horse. Sure, but uh, carrot and stick. Yeah. All my nieces and nephews or friends' kids, they say, "Oh, I'll, I'll work with you. I work with you." When I call them to work, and I'll take care of them. They don't even want to go to work. They have an excuse. They got to do this. They got to do that. We're going to meet the friends, but they got no money in their pocket. Mm-hmm. But they won't go out to work. You know, physically, uh, it's they don't even take the you know. The mothers take out the garbage. Yeah. I mean, what do you think the cause of this is, Josh? Well, I got to say this. The the work, home, antith- th- those are opposites, right? Those are archetypal opposites, right? You're at work and you're at home, right? Those are two ends of, of one spectrum. In fact, in astrology, that actually is an axis, right? So we went from you're going to be at work to no, 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 you have to stay at home, mm-hmm. right? It's an entirely different domain. It's an entirely different domain of your psyche. It's a whole yeah. different mode, right? And so we both work as trainers, you formerly and I currently, right? 
What do people look like when they first walk in a train with you? Half the time they're half asleep. They're dragging it, right? Yeah. I'm not sure I want to come in. I, would, I, know, I didn't know if I was going to make it in today. I'm not really in the mood today. Can we do something different? And then 10 minutes later, I've got them, right? Why? Because I got them in the gym. I got them away from the couch, away from the TV, yeah. the refrigerator, away from mom. And I got them out of that, and I flipped a switch in their mind and their body to get them working. If you don't pull them out of the house, you're, you're, you have an uphill battle to get these people to produce. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to continue with Johnny Potenza and Josh O'Brien in just a moment. If you want to comment on uh, anything we're covering, you're welcome to give me a call, 1-800-GIVE-US-A-CALL, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano, joined in studio by Johnny Potenza and Josh O'Brien. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. side of midnight i'm frank morano joined in studio for the hour uh by my brother-in-law josh o'brien and uh somebody that if you know the tune that's playing now you're probably already familiar with he's the host of the tv talk show up late with johnny potenza johnny potenza johnny you wrote the song actually also right yes i actually uh i it took me a while to write it i just uh, had writer's block for a while and then uh one day, one day I woke up and I heard that theme. Dun, 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 dun. But I was stuck for a bridge, so I called my old producer in, Richie Scarlett. And he he produced my old band, so we collaborated together. And he co-wrote the other side of it. And we went in the studio. I hired all uh, studio musicians like Arnold Heck and uh, Wayne Cobbin. And they all played like three different horns each. Two guys. So there's like six different horns going by two guys all over the deuce in the studio. I'm on the drums and uh, that's it. Here you go. You get it on yeah. iTunes. And now, Josh, I know you, you're doing stuff on uh, the YouTube. Uh, by the way, if people want to see you on, on YouTube and see what you're doing, how, how can they do that? You can go to YouTube at Josh O'Brien, Learn, Think, Build. And I'm also on a Rumble, Josh O'Brien, LTB. All right. And um, now I want to ask you, Johnny, now your your basic, you, you know, you, your stuff is on YouTube also. People can find it on YouTube. But you've been primarily based in the public access arena. And I, they say that maybe the world of YouTube has sort of filled the need that public access once served for the public. Used to be if you had a desire to get your message out, whether it was entertainment or commentary or whatever, you would go on public access TV. Now you could stay in your house, yeah. record it, and just put it on YouTube. Why do you stick with the public access? Uh, do you think that's still a good way of getting your message out? This is the whole thing. I like doing the entertainment variety show, that whole like Johnny Carson theme, the, 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 the live studio audience, the vibe of the people, the crowd. Uh, yeah, I could do it. You know, when we, when we first started with CTV and all that stuff, everyone used to do Porta Bump or in their basement or anywhere. But you really can't do that unless you rent out a studio. It costs money. Other stuff costs money. Public access has everything you mm. got there for free. It's a platform for me, but there's also 
you got to deal with a lot of stuff. There's a, you know, you know, public access, not NBC. A lot of technical stuff. I do the editing, so thank God if I wasn't a good, uh, a very good editor, I, I'd have a lot of problems, and I wouldn't be able to afford to pay people to edit the show every every month because it's costly. Oh, I can do imagine a live show. The problem is with my level. I'm like. It's hard. What is the right words to say? Unless you got a listers on your show, no one knows. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm just. But would you still recommend blow, blow public, public access to people as a way of getting started, getting their feet wet? Public access is great. It's a great platform, and and if you have if you have the itch, it, it's something that could definitely tell you whether you want to be in the business or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. A lot of folks um, eager to comment on some of the issues we're talking about. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let me begin with Joe in Queens. Hello, Joe. Yeah, hi. How you doing? Uh, my question is more about the athletics. As you get older, uh, I'll give two parts to this one. I had a neighbor that uh, uh, he he had been uh, running. Uh, he, he already had competed in the Hawaii triathlon and, and, you know, that's competitive. You have to be really good to be in it. Obviously the guy's talented and that he's retraining for next year. I'd see him up jogging, running at the track. And he had a job in a city where he's taking an office job, 656 train. And he said he would sometimes train the one in the morning. And, and I could see he was like, kind of burning the candles on both ends and looked worn out. So he really didn't have the, uh, enough time to train at that level. Obviously, he's talented. On the other hand, I know a guy at the time that was a, a college football star that uh, had feeling interest from the pros, didn't make the pros, and then like three years later, he's overweight, bloated, hanging out in bars all the time, never stayed athletic. So that's another end of the spectrum where the guy didn't even try to, to keep so, his... So what, what's your uh, question? Uh, what's your question? My question, question is, how do you approach uh, like a mid-range balance if, if you're fairly you know, skilled in, in, in athletics, but... You know, you're, you're you know, you like the, my neighbor. The guy really didn't have enough time to train at the level of competing in the Hawaiian triathlon. He really overdid it. All right, I'll, I'll defer to Josh on this one. He's the only one in the studio that I think is going to know the answer to this one. So, are we talking about Kona, the Ironman competition? Is that what he was training uh, for? I, yeah, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I so that that, was, yeah. that is like regarded. In, in that community as like the apex, unless you're doing an ultra marathon, the apex, the apex of physical achievement and demand upon your body. And very, very few people ever actually do that. And like you just alluded to, I mean, the, the training volume, the schedule from all the cycling on the bike, the running on the road, swimming is just gargantuan. It's, it's an incredible feat to even undertake. Most people would never even try um, and you really do need a lifestyle that is conducive to putting that kind of time in. Most of us don't have that. And even those that try oftentimes find they're not getting enough sleep. So, you know, the, I think the sport sort of weeds out the people that can't uh, cut it, so to speak. All right, Joe. Thank you. 800-848-9222. John is in Freehold. Hello, John. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, first of all, I just wanted to say, you know, how we're like uh, kids these days. Uh, our grandparents said the same thing about our parents. And their parents said the same thing about them. It's a, but I feel like we're in the information age, and kids are less physical today. But um, you know, and then the, the information is readily available. 
So they don't have to study hard. They don't memorize things. I feel like now's a good time for us to progress and maybe uh, with like a Neuralink thing, we could have information in our head at all times. There'll be no studying, no nothing like that. It's time to like uh, move ahead a little bit. Yeah, so uh, John, I'm not I'm not clear on what you're saying. You are you saying that every generation complains about the upcoming generation of kids? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that was my first point. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Anybody want to weigh in? Is this just kind of the the way it is? Everyone always says, uh, you know, what's the matter with these kids today? Yeah. I mean, and he's right about the information always being there. You Google it, but like they don't get to memorize it. Uh I mean, it's good for a guy like me who didn't really study in school when I need to spell a word. And I just say, Google, how do you spell, I don't know, just say carbohydrates, and it spells it for me. You don't remember it, but you always got it there, and he's right what he's saying. I mean, the technology is is great, but it also lacks us from studying. Unless you're really, if you're a guy like, say, Frank, this guy has like a a sponge. No, please. It's more like a sieve. It goes in, it goes right out. William's in Asbury Park. Hello, William. Hey, um, so there's a, there's a certain like um, zone where you you know there's there's two modes. You you got a home mode and a work mode. You know where you're focused. You got a goal, and uh, you got a right environment where you're focused on that goal. And it's almost like a hyper focus that you can get into. It's hard for a lot of people, especially if you have something like an attention deficit disorder, like myself. How, how, do you, how do you stay in that zone? And is, there, is, it, is it more of a mental thing or an environmental thing? And if it is a mental thing, what kind of, what kind of uh, pharmaceuticals or supplements, you know, natural stuff, does your guest recommend? Well, so, you uh, William, you broke up a second there. So I, I think your question is about focus. Focus? Yeah, my question is: um, there, there, there's a certain, you know, there's a certain zone that you can get into. That's a work zone. Right. You yeah. got a goal, you, right? You, you're breaking up a little bit, uh, Josh. I'll defer to you uh, on well, this. Well, I, I would not ever pose myself as some sort of expert in how to get into the zone, but. I do know that you have to avoid all the distractions, right? You're not getting into the zone if you're watching TV. So if you're trying to get into some kind of work zone, again, I'm no expert here, but I do know that you need to. You need to, through trial and error, figure out what works for you. So if you know that you've got a bunch of distractions, you have to get those out of your environment. And, um, and then you have to figure out how you work best, probably some trial and error. I'm sure there's a bunch of books out there you can read. And I do then know that when it comes to a mental flow, you know, Einstein used to go for three walks a day. Hmm. And that's what the philosophers would do. They would walk and talk, <laughs> right? If we want to figure something out, what do we mean? We go for a walk. You talk, you go for a drive, whatever. When you're moving through space, there's something cognitively that sort of clicks into place, and it allows you to, to operate at your best at the brain level. So, um, yeah, you got to find out for you what works for you. Let me ask you both something, uh, talking about young people, talking about education. Some interesting numbers coming out recently, and I'm curious if you both think this is a, a one-off or part of a trend. Uh, nearly two million fewer students have enrolled in public school. Now, obviously, the pandemic played a role here, but uh, New York and other cities around the country are seeing about a 4% decline in people wanting to go to public school or parents wanting to send their children in public school. I I think part of this is no question due to a lot of the restrictions that the schools had in place, that you had to wear masks and uh, uh, other things like this. 
do you think this is something that is going to continue? Or now that the pandemic, by most people's account, is largely over, are we going to see these public school levels go back to normal? What do you think? I think it's going to get back to normal within a couple of years. I mean, I I think the kids are still used to uh, staying home. And, and I was telling you guys before, like, I, and I and I witnessed it when when it was the teacher teaching a whole class on a computer. The kids, the boys, and I I see my 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 cousins and and the kids would be like, "Oh, you having a good day at school?" You know, you well, you're playing Xbox, and that's what they're doing every day while the teacher is uh, thing. You know, some of them had like fake things in the background, made it look like they were there. I'm like, I'm like, I can't believe this, like you know, but uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't heard of. What do you think, Josh? Uh, I think that the pandemic has quite a bit to do with it. I also, you know, we've had this conversation before about some of the things uh, that are starting to get introduced into the curriculums, mm. right? And not to go down a, a whole path here, but you got the CRT stuff. You have some of the sexual stuff taught to some of the younger kids. And I do know there's a large segment of the American uh, parents that are not into that. No. So you're probably getting a combination of both reasons. And like you just said, Johnny, you know, I'm sure as the pandemic wanes, we're going to see some people returning from Definitely. the health and the health measures. But I think that you're going to see uh, a continued reduction because of some of the other reasons. No, okay, no, it makes sense. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Uh, Johnny Potenza is in studio. Josh O'Brien is in studio. You could reach Johnny through his website, johnnyptv.com. There's also some great clips of his show, including that Pete Davidson interview on the YouTube. And, uh, and Josh, if people want to reach you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, you can go to my uh, uh, Instagram that's uh, Josh O'Brien LTB for Learn, Think, Build. Or, again, you can go to that YouTube, Josh O'Brien Learn, Think, Build. All right. Um, by the way, today, I guess, is the first day of fall, right? I mean, it's uh, it's autumn now, officially. Summer's over. Um, one, uh, how was your summer now that you can do a whole retrospective of the last three <laughs> months? And, uh, and, and two, from an astrological point of view, I'll ask you this, Josh. Or is there any significance about today being the autumn equinox? You know, it's funny. Uh, one of your uh, listeners sent me a message on Instagram uh, and asked me about it. I said, oh, we're probably not going to get to it. And she said she messaged you. Yeah, yeah. So I really I'm don't know much soccer, about uh, the equinox as it pertains to astrology. You know, I do a lot of personality astrology. Um, I don't do a lot of the, um, the what we would call the uh, transits going on in the sky right now. I couldn't tell you where everything is right now. You know, that's uh, something I haven't studied, something I'm ignorant about. I'm into the personality and the psychology of, of the birth chart. So uh, I, I'm as curious as you are about how that equinox affects us currently. Johnny, how was your summer? My summer was great. This is like the best summer I had in a long time. Uh, I was down the shore, so when I didn't work, I was just, I turned into a beach bum, and uh, it was great. Well, it can't Sounds be like that, fun, right? How do you compare the Jersey Shore beaches to the Long Island beaches? Well, you know what, I really... It's been a minute since I've been down uh, Long Island beaches. Back in the day, we used to go down to Jones Beach a lot. We used to go down to the Hamptons, uh, but no more. You know, it's, it's been a while. I've been a Jersey Shore guy for a long time. All right, 800-848-9222. Let me ask both of you uh, about a phrase that was in the news a lot over the last 24 hours. Uh, the special master in a case that's uh, in the news a great deal, uh, he basically said that um, the judge here said that uh, the the Trump team, the Trump legal team, was trying to um, have their cake and eat it too. Now, I have never understood this expression. <laughs> My whole life, it, it has made 
No sense. The judge, Raymond Deary, the special master, said, my view is you can't have your cake and eat it, too. Now, I get what the the phrase is supposed to mean, that you can't have something and enjoy it and still, you know, still have it. But shouldn't the proper expression be eat your cake and have it, too? I mean, <laughs> what does that mean? Have your cake and eat it, too. And why do people keep saying it? I, I you, you said it the best the last couple of shows that you listened to. I mean, they're finding anything and everything just to bust Donald Trump's chops. And and I learned uh, me. I just keep my mouth shut because uh, you know I just <laughs> I can't get too involved with the politics. Uh, but what about the expression "have your cake and eat it too"? It's silly. It makes no sense. It's, right? It's, yeah, I didn't want to say that. Yeah, it's silly. Very silly. Right? Uh, where are you on? Cake? It never made any literal sense to me. Yeah. I, I always but, but, assumed so the why phrase. Why do people always got why, why do people always say along it? the way? I, I mean, the, this is an educated guy, a federal judge. Why is he? But everybody says it. I'm not singling him out. Everybody says it. I guess that's one of those colloquialisms that we all just agree agree upon the meaning and we keep using it. Well, yeah. so but wouldn't it make more sense to say? And I'd like to make a gentleman's agreement among the three of us if we could go forward and get the listeners involved too. Wouldn't it make more sense to say eat your cake and have it too? Doesn't that make more sense? I'll, I'll sign on. Right, for that. Okay, Johnny, you, you down? Eat yeah, your cake you should, and have it too. You should put it on a bumper sticker with your name. That'd right. Be perfect. Okay. I think I like, it'd be hey, me. I'm not copywriting this one. Uh, people can <laughs> people can adopt this as their own. All right. Eight hundred. <clears throat> excuse me. Eight hundred. <clears throat> Frog in my throat. Was that Hopefully he'll become Rubert. a prince. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. We'll continue. Johnny Potenza and Josh O'Brien straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Side of midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Josh O'Brien here with uh, Johnny Potenza. Uh, a lot to get to. Coming up a little later, we're going to talk with uh, Brian Kilmeade, and uh, we'll go live to, well, not Atlantic City, but we'll go live to somewhere when we talk with our casino expert Michael Traeger, comparing the world of casino gaming in New Jersey with the world of casino gaming in Maryland and Nevada. So that's going to be an interesting discussion that uh, that I'm looking forward to. You know, fellas, I want to get your take on this. This might be a little controversial, but I'm going to ask you anyway. We spent a lot of time in this show talking about the world of UAPs or UFOs, right? Uh, They've been called flying saucers over the years. They've been called, you know, any number of things. Been a lot of, um, I think, credible claims of alien abduction over the years. It seems like Congress is starting to take this subject kind of seriously, and we're now in sort of a a new world in terms of people paying attention to this. Not that either of you, as far as I know, have any inside information on this, but where do each of you come down on the issue of, of UFOs or UAPs or uh, extraterrestrials, whatever you want to call it, that whole, that whole realm? What do you think, Johnny? Ah, uh, UFOs, I, I mean, I really can't say. Uh, there's definitely something out there <coughs> beyond the Earth somewhere, uh, you know, whether it's an extraterrestrial or 
some kind of form of creature. And there probably there might even be another life out there, like say, like in the Planet of the Apes. Remember the second the Planet of the Apes beneath the Planet of the Apes. Uh, yeah, I like that one. Uh, those, those are the best ones. Uh, so who knows? It's 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 crazy. I mean, I think by now, as long as we've been around the world, that that that. that Something should have landed already. I mean, what are they waiting for if they're out there? That's just my opinion. Well, uh, uh, where do you come down on this, Josh? I think this is a super interesting topic. So you had Whitley Strieber mm-hmm. on a couple nights ago, right? Really cool story. I've come across this story in the past because I've looked into this stuff. And I think that, in a nutshell, there are phenomena that thousands of people have experienced. Right. Undeniable. Thousands. So then we have questions to answer, such as are those visual phenomena uh, alien to the planet or are they uh, tech high tech uh, innovations of some country on the planet that has not yet divulged that to us? Mm -hmm. Right. So that remains to be uh, answered. However, the abduction stories. Right. Frank just had Whitley Strieber on. Whitley Strieber's had an experience like 30 years ago, 30-some-odd years ago, right? And many, many people like him have had these abduction-type stories, all right? And the newest technology that we could fathom in the depths of our minds by these uh, laboratories that have billion-dollar budgets in Russia, China, the U.S., are not going to be able to abduct someone out of their house through the wall and violate all the known laws of physics, yeah. all right, I don't think that's possible. So the whole, well, it's a government project thing doesn't answer the abduction question. So I don't know what's going on. So but I don't it think- sounds like you, you think there's something to the idea that there have been otherworldly visitors to this planet. Either And Whitley, Whitley Strieber, in your, in your uh, conversation with him, alluded to this. Either it's otherworldly or it's actually something within this world that we don't yet understand. Let me ask you both about this, completely unrelated. Um, 800-848-9222 if you want to comment. The, we just had the Emmy Awards. Did you watch any of the Emmys? I watched part of it. What, what did you see? What part of it? Uh, who did I see with the Cobra Kai winning best? Uh, yeah, best, okay. Best editing. Let, I love that you, show. Yeah, so is it as good as they say? It's great. I mean, if you're a Karate Kid fan, you're going to love Cobra Kai. And if you're not a Karate Kid fan, you never saw it, you're going to still love Cobra Kai. <laughs> uh, Josh, did you watch any of it? I haven't watched okay. I love the movies. I didn't see any you of the You resemble stuff. my friend. No, no, no. Well, have you watched any of the Emmys? Did you watch no, any of the No, I didn't watch the Emmys. Okay, well, so uh, apparently, well, no, um, I, I don't want to no, step on you there, Johnny, but okay. apparently you're actually in the majority, Josh, because viewership for the 2022 Emmy Awards on NBC, a major network, not a cable network, fell to an all-time low of just 5.9 million viewers. That's in the whole country. Now, meanwhile, the NFL, uh, they did very well last week. They had its best opening weekend in terms of live viewership in six years. Now, Hollywood has got a big problem, and it's not just a streaming problem. You mentioned Cobra Kai. We've chronicled before how everyone's moving to the streaming networks, but it has sort of a... A relevancy problem. Award shows don't tap into the same kind of cultural appeal that they used to be. Shows like the Emmys, the Oscars, Mm -hmm. they used to – the TV critic for the New York Times wrote this. Shows like the Emmys and the Oscars used to aspire to elegance, a quality that isn't so valued now. By the numbers, on average, viewership across the four major award shows this year 
is less than one-third of it was a decade ago. Outside of the Super Bowl, um, the trend is the same for sports championships, uh, the World Series, uh, NBA Finals, you name it. Why do each of you think that no one's watching these award shows anymore? The thing is this, too. The kids don't care. I mean, mainly the the, the adults watch it, but, I mean, it ain't like you... There's no class, in my opinion, uh, to to like the Oscars. I mean, look what recently just happened with Will Smith mm-hmm. and, and Chris Rock. That that was pathetic on Will Smith's uh, part. I mean, and I used to be a fan of his. I lost respect from him more. You don't slap somebody on, on the uh, on on the Oscars. And I'm a street guy. And a neighborhood Frank's a neighbor guy. You want to fight somebody? You wait till after the show. You want to? You don't do that on the Oscars. How much class do you got? You, you know, you don't do it. Hell no. Um, why do you think no one's watching these award shows? Uh, I don't want to say no one because it's still five million I think people. It has but something it's... to do with the expansion of media, right? So at, the, at once upon a time, TV and film comprised a huge part yeah. of the media that we uh, that that provided us entertainment, right? So the characters of old, the the actors and actresses, the glamour types—they were a big part of our lives because those people were the people that we viewed provide us entertainment and where our mind and our fantasy went. Now you've got social media, you've got YouTube, you've got a thousand TV channels. So I think there's a dilution of what, what Hollywood used to be. And I think that they no longer hold that same appeal and glamour and mystique that they once did. But this is where it's coming from, excuse me, frankly. Like all these streaming networks is actually where everything is just turning around in a, in a sense where streaming is just going to is like it's just another word for TV and all these big networks, uh, even like Paramount. Say, say say with the Irishman, Paramount originally bought it, then they sold it to Netflix. Netflix has such a budget now, and like Cobra Kai has like twenty nine or thirty million viewers. Well, it's, it's, that's like, it's like unheard of. Well, so talk to me about that, right? So with 30 million people watching Cobra Kai, right, everybody has a show that it seems like they like on streaming. My wife and I just started watching uh, Ted Lasso, right? We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But you'd think that if these shows are being nominated and these films are being nominated at the award shows, more people, at least the fans of those shows, would tune in yeah. to see it. But they're not tuning in. And I guess my question is why? Why do people not care anymore? I guess it just it, – sorry, there's a fly in here. It, it, I saw that fly. Uh, <clears throat> I can't really answer that. It's just like maybe they're sick of it. Uh, who knows? Alan Yonkers. Hello, Al. Yeah, hi, Frank. Uh, you just touched on something briefly uh, <laughs> uh, about – extraterrestrial uh, UFOs, or uh, is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I just wanted to ask you, uh, because I've always found that to be an interesting uh, topic, and I started reading a book. I haven't finished it, but I wanted to ask you and and, and your guests what what you believe. Uh, Roswell, 1947, New Mexico. Uh, do you think something there occurred that was extraterrestrial uh, from out of these, uh, this world? And do you think it was a, a possible government cover-up? Well, I, I'm, I'll speak first, and if these guys want to weigh in. I don't have any inside information, but we've spoken with a lot of experts that have studied this, including the yeah. grandson of the colonel at Roswell who was responsible for seeing, you know, seeing what happened there. I definitely think that there was a major cover-up. I don't know what it is they were covering up. 
I don't know whether it was, um, you know, something otherworldly or whatever the case may be, but I definitely think if you look at how quickly the story changed, I definitely think yeah. it was a government cover-up of some sort. But uh, you guys can weigh in if you want. I mean, if you have any uh, anything you want to add on. I don't know much about it, but I remember my father talking about it and all the old-timers, they said, they, they said the same thing, cover-up. What do you think, Josh? I think it's a lot easier to tell when someone's lying than exactly what they're lying about. And the government is filthy with cover-ups, mm. and anyone can tell they're covering it up. What the hell they're covering up, Covering up, I have no idea. Uh, let me, um, Josh, before I, uh, we run out of time, I know you have been banging the drum for the last <laughs> year or so on the issue of the, uh, the COVID vaccine. And just yesterday in New York City, they did away with the vaccine mandate for private businesses, but they're keeping it in place for public workers. Comes after 850 teachers, I think, or maybe a little more than that, just got let go in New York City for refusing to get vaccinated. Now, apparently, um, even 46 members of Congress are requesting that members of the military be uh, exempt from the vaccine mandate. Where do you see this whole vaccine mandate movement going at the moment? Well, uh, I know where I would like it to go. Um, I think that what's going on with the mandate, and not everybody likes to hear this, but uh, the government enjoys having more power than it normally has. Mm -hmm. Right? They get to do a lot of things with that power. And there are countries around the world that have always said, well, you know, if the U.S. could only be a different country without that constitution, right? You know, over here in other countries, that is, we get to do A and B and C and people have no recourse. In the United States of America, it gets pretty clunky and bumpy and problematic with that Bill of Rights and all the other things they have. So our government, which thinks like a government, and when I say our government, people within government like having the powers they have, the emergency powers, and uh, they're not so quick to give those up. And uh, although um, this letter was um, sent out and signed by um, uh, 46 members of Congress uh, saying to the Secretary of Defense, hey, listen, um, we would like this vaccine mandate to go away. We know that the vaccine is not as effective as you once said it was. We know that our service members, being the demographic they are, don't really need this that much. Why are you still compromising the readiness of our uh, of our military by potentially getting rid of 8% of our military members. And enlistment has been down sh- uh, st- uh, sharply in part due to the mandate. And uh, real quick, I saw that in this letter it was said that about 50% of the talent pool that usually gets recruited are guys that demographically refuse the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So we can see where this is going to go for enlistment. And uh, I know that they're going to be very slow to give up their powers. At the same time, it's costing our military. Johnny, anything you'd add on this front? It's a control thing, as, as he's saying. And you know what? It made a lot of people paranoid, scared, uh, questionable. Like even now, like you know, some I'm still getting COVID, and I got the shot. People don't get COVID; they don't got the shot. Then with the kids, people don't want their kids to get it. It's it kind of caused a big uproar. I mean, I can see in the beginning. Now it's like dying down. I mean, America's supposed to be about free will and free choice. You know, let it be about free will and free choice. If someone wants to gamble with their life, if this thing is going to kill them or not, let that be their choice. This has been a lot of fun. The hour has flown by. Gentlemen, I want to thank you both. 
Uh, you could see Johnny. Uh, check out Johnny PTV. I'm actually going to be on uh, up late with Johnny Potenza yes. next month. Looking forward to that. Uh, check out Josh on Instagram and on the YouTube. Let's do this again soon, fellas. One hundred percent, Frankie. Thank you, buddy. All right, coming up. Uh, you want to comment on anything we covered? You can eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. The UN is in town, and boy, is it really wrecking traffic. And you'll never believe what's up and what's down. I'll tell you. In just a moment. Until next hour, in the words of the great Bob Barker, help control the pet population, get your dog or cat spayed or neutered.